it's just me. Uh, this, uh, well, sorry, hello and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast, where footballing and podcasts uh, collide. They both happen at once. Um, this is uh, the first and probably only solo podcast that you will see from me. Uh, the expert analysts are not here. They have a life and are, are doing things on a Saturday night, which is heartbreaking for them. Because, and I say that from, it's probably not heartbreaking for them, but uh, Man City versus Spurs has just finished. And I'm just going to look up the stats from the game and read some of them out. Uh, Harry Kane, deservedly man of the match. Arguably performance of the year. It was like watching uh, N'Golo Kante at, uh, in that Champions League run and just how he played like three players Kane was every attacking mid in that Spurs team he was a fixed striker it was a classic performance for that that if in isolation and if repeated really does make a case by itself as to why uh, he should be considered one of the best Premier League players of all time has he been one of the best Premier League players of all time or even this season no but I am in the hysteria of having just watched the game and so a lot of this analysis will be brought to you from the sort of <laughs> weak ground that is Harry Kane, captain, leader, legend. Uh, Andrew always says that I consume too much English media and that's why I love uh, um, players like Foden and stuff like this. But I don't even, I don't like Harry Kane as a person. Um, I'll say that to his face. But um, I probably shouldn't... Uh, it was it was just immense it was absolutely it was amazing the the way he was playing his passing range which Jamie Carragher talked about throughout the entire match was unbelievable the weights of the passes through to Son and Kulisevsky he was Harry came with runners just people running I thought Son was really good I thought Son was actually not getting the credit he deserved because I think a lot of players wouldn't have shown the composure that Sean that saw that Son showed showed in the first goal and that's what led to their attacks a lot of my notes for this because I was just thinking of talking about it at the podcast when we record later this week a lot of my notes are about how City set up and I just wanted to talk a bit about how that works and how that functions. I've been looking a lot at team structuring lately just because um, either I have too much... Nah, I have too much time on my hands <laughs> because I have too much time on my hands. I've been looking a lot at team structuring and watching a lot of interesting stuff. As you know, we've talked about it in the podcast before. We look at a lot of TIFO stuff and they make a lot of interesting videos about the differences between players and roles. And I've also been playing... An aggressive amount of football manager where you it's interesting sort of i think a, a lot of people go into have the assumption in football that uh, each team has a cam and that is their playmaking hub and i remember sort of three two to three years ago a lot of stuff came out about the fact that uh Pep Guardiola at Man City had signed no one apart from about 17 centre attacking mids and so I just wanted to talk briefly about how uh, 
he manages to do that. I'm gonna put a diagram up on the screen. I always say this and then just put just input like a smiley face in because I can't be arsed editing it in. But if you're watching this on YouTube, I should be able to put a diagram up. And I'll draw it in my notes so that I remember, just as I'm speaking to you. But what they manage to do is they have what is essentially a 4-3-3. And they have all, all of these camps. So up front today, it was, if I can just get the team lineups, up front today, it was Sterling, Bernardo Silva and Foden. And then their midfield three, apparently, was Gundogan, Rodri and De Bruyne. And how that actually fu functioned was uh, in possession, it was a front five, Cancelo furthest on the left, then Sterling, just inside of him, playing as a sort of advanced winger slash inside forward, looking to be just inside the half space from Cancelo. Then there are two people playing as, the, as false nines, where Gundogan sort of more to the left side. So, uh, uh, if I watch this back and I'm out of breath from writing, I'll be ashamed. So there are two false nines in possession with Gundogan and Silva. I say false nines, but I'll elaborate a bit more on what that role actually is with Gundogan and Silva. And then the furthest on the right would be Phil Foden. And all of these players are playing like attacking midfielders. <laughs> Every single one, apart from Mayor, apart from Sterling, who's a winger who kind of plays as a winger for them, sort of their biggest finisher slash poacher is kind of an inverted winger thing. But yeah, so that's uh, a lot of attacking midfielder stuff. Obviously, Cancelo's a left back, but in possession, their two main playmakers, which I think is absolutely fascinating, and I wrote, uh, I made a note uh, just saying that. Uh, how City play with six cams and why Bernardo isn't the same beast, which I think are, are two connected things. So they play with this fan out five in attack that looks to stretch the defence, the opposing defence, as wide as humanly possible, which was interesting how Tottenham coped with that. But they look to stretch... The opposing defence, normally four players, even if it's five, as wide as humanly possible, and then all of these five players will just run. Run, 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 run. So they have to be marked because Cancelo out on the left and De Bruyne, who plays in the right half space just in front of that line of five, uh, are... The two best <laughs> attacking playmakers, which I guess you could say is what makes them seem like cams, are the two best attacking playmakers in the Premier League. And one of them is a left back, and one of them is a centre mid who plays as the sixth most far forward attacker in their team. And the reason why Bernardo Silva was getting all of the accolades, awards, and we were really able to see his talent is that he was playing in that case key half space where De Bruyne plays when De Bruyne was out and now De Bruyne is back you can see not only is he in my opinion the best player in the Premier League when uh, Salah isn't playing how he played at the start of this season he's 
just amazing. He's got a wand of a foot, and that's why it's so difficult for defences, because if you leave any of your players to pressure De Bruyne, or pressure wide, or go double on Cancelo because you have to, De Bruyne will just find someone. He'll find it straight to their feet. His passing range is phenomenal. And so, how the diagram will be up. I'll take a look at myself in the, the video. Okay, so the diagram's up here. And now I'm going to replace that diagram of how City were looking to play. And you also saw they were looking to attack down Emerson Royale's side, about how people used to uh, exploit. I think there was a game where Manchester United really exploited that in Liverpool's defence, where they have one more attacking wing back and they essentially just played balls in behind him for a whole game and won the game. So City were looking to do a bit of that, where Emerson Royale has been rightly or wrongly has been widely criticised as just being dog water but a very offensive kind of dog water for someone is, who is a defender and so he would, I'm drawing it here but lovely diagram look at that <laughs> uh, he, um, so Emerson Royale overextended right back there coming up on your screen and then the back, there's then a huge gap there between where he would be and then where the three centre-backs would be. And City came into this to, with the notion correctly, because it is how they got their goal, their first one, of flooding that area, as they do in most games, overloading that area with more players than Spurs have to defend so they can do their quick passing, get in behind and create really, really high, high percentage or high XG shots. And so Emerson Royale, if he did leave that gap, which he didn't, would go out to press Cancelo or Sterling. And then just inside of him, in this whole half space, there would be three City players to one overextended wingback. That would be exploited, leveraged, and then they would get create high percentage chances. But, to replace this, what actually happened was Spurs came out with and Jamie Carragher actually I agreed with almost everything Jamie Carragher said in this other than the fact that uh, he wasn't commenting on Son who I thought was amazing a lot uh, they play with a compact back five with full backs not wing backs at times a back six where Kulisevsky was dropping into the right side to co so, so, Essentially, they were matching them man for man when City were trying to overwhelm them in that area. And that nullified a lot of, a lot of not all of, uh, the space that Cancelo is normally able, able to get to overwhelm uh, defences. You've seen that basically all season long. Cancelo has been absolutely unplayable. Uh, and just to outline quickly how that works against other teams is... Uh, by overloading this area you have less players in other places and because you're playing against Man City that normally means you have players in other places who are without a doubt the best in the world and so you can't leave them and so you can't cope with this overload but what actually happened in this game was Spurs left I was going to say hundreds uh, multiple World Cup class player relatively unpressured in wide areas but not incredibly advanced wide areas but still wide wide areas and left them unpressured enough so that they could get balls in and what they did 
which the commentary commented on a lot, uh, is that they headed them away. And as simple as that sounds, uh, it worked. Uh, Emerson Royale was throwing himself at everything. Actually had a really good game. Romero had a really good game. Gave away a penalty. Unlucky. Uh, Dyer, good game. Uh, ben Davis, okay. Cesson uh, Young, mid. Uh, I wonder what rating Cesson Young got in Fault Mob because he didn't really do anything. Ah, uh, yeah. So quite bad. Quite a bad rating. Hmm. Although higher than Dyer, so I could just be talking about my arse. Also, Debro also Lloris, bit of a stinker, but also an amazing save against Gundogan. So he kind of covered himself in soil and then covered himself in glory. If I actually edited these, I would take that part out. But yeah, an incredibly compact back five. It looked like a 5-4-1 out of possession or a 6. Like, or a, like a 6. Would it be a 6-4? Yeah. Or a 6-4. Or a 6-3-1. Hmm. That's analysis. Uh, other things I wanted to comment on. So that's kind of how it played out. Having Son in the counter-attack is actually frightening. The whole time I was watching this game, I was thinking Son deserves to be in my underrated team. I don't know why I put Ollie Watkins in it. Um, and I've also written here, Rodri is probably City's most sexy player. And the other note I've made is that I don't really like Foden's tattoo. I say, as someone with a tattoo of a cowboy hat. Um... I've also written two different managerial masterclasses. I thought, watching the first half of the game, I thought, as I, as everyone always thinks, I thought Pep Guardiola is immense. And But he also, I, I think this is interesting about his man management. I'd like to see if I can get up a stat about the amount of fouls. I know Tottenham conceded a lot of yellow cards, but it was really interesting to me they only committed five fouls, but every foul City commits in every game is stopping a huge attack. They're so well coached in how to be dirty and horrible. And I, I think Pep Guardiola's man management is often really overlooked in terms of the fact that he just creates these beasts of teams that are absolutely fucking horrible to play. And... Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff around there about how he coached his Barcelona team to overwhelm uh, referees so they all surround the referee and shout at him at once until they ultimately are living with Barcelona's presence in their head living in their head rent free as one would say and that is to create these kind of imbalances in decision making where they're ultimately scared of the pressure although great referees shouldn't be a, a, a impacted by that I think it's very interesting and a great picture of the kinds of uh, arseholes that um, Pep Guardiola is trying to make of men in the Man City documentary it's quite clear he talks a lot about playing with balls and, and I don't know if he says gusto but I feel like he would say gusto uh, so yeah Rodri's probably his most sexy player I'd probably say Son as uh, Tottenham's I'd say uh the worst haircut is Dyer's. 
Uh, I also thought it was really interesting how one team scored three goals from having uh, a fixed striker. That's why they scored three goals. They scored three goals from having a complete striker in Harry Kane who can pass, who can run, who can... He can't run. Who can pass, who can score, who can assist and who can score. Uh, only concerned with assisting and scoring. Fantastic. His work rate was also immense. Obviously the player of the match. They scored three goals and beat Man City from having no uh, from having a fixed striker and Man City are the best team in the Premier League this year from having 95 central attacking playmakers and... Uh, not having a fixed striker. So it's interesting, that's kind of what I meant by the masterclass thing, and that two different minds, two great different minds, approaching the same issue and solving it in completely different ways, which I think is part of the reason why I love football tactics and I find it so interesting is, uh, I guess, the creativity, but the problem solving of it all and the different ways that you can go about that. So I've also written Loris is finished. I've written a team with no captain, which I do find interesting. Uh, is Larissa captain? I think that's a great question. Is Larissa captain? I'd have to say no. I think. I think having a goalkeeper as a captain is a difficult decision, and I'm not sure of how how much of a leader they can be in every. Um, I want. To, I was going to say phases of play, but every. Well, I guess every phase of play, but every part of the pitch. If you go back to the half spaces thing, where the pitch is made up of like a thousand different tiny parts, the captain's influence in tone setting is really important in every single corner of the pitch. It's about tone. It's about. It's about drive. It's about power. Yeah, I also Gundogan doesn't strike me as a captain either, but that's neither here nor there. But I just don't, I don't, I don't know why the point that's coming to my head is that all CDM should be captains. But I, I, in my personal opinion, I think Harry Kane is Tottenham's captain, but he wants to leave, so you can't make him the captain. He's England's captain. I don't know. But yeah, you, he wants to leave, so you can't make him the captain. Uh, and so you have a team with no captain. And that's bad. But just for a bunch of things, but especially in the crunch time moments and everything else, that team played amazing and would able to would be able to do that more often if it was being led on the pitch by an incredibly mentally strong, tough individual. A team with no captain is mentally floppy. Uh, and I love Son, but he's not a captain. He's not he's not a Gerard. Gerard, we'll talk about this in the podcast, but Gerard just lost to um, Watford and uh, Frank Lampard's team. I want, we're going to talk about that in the podcast as well. But Frank Lampard's Matt, he's gone from one terrible style of defensive management to another style of just being awful in defensive transition, where he's inviting so much space. For the other team to dictate, it's not proactive defending. He's giving great players the time to make attacking decisions, and players like Ward Prowse, players like Armstrong, players like El Yunusi, players like Broja, players like Walker Peters are just too good to be treated that way. 
and you can't be completely outclassed by Southampton as an Everton manager. You just can't be. That can't be where you're at. And also, Deli Ali didn't play, and Van der Beek didn't look amazing. I'm not supposed to talk about that. Will I cut it out? I never do. I always say I'll cut things out. There was a whole dark horse fiasco, and I never, ever cut things out. So, yeah. Different managerial masterclasses. Every, oh yeah, also every City player is faster, dirtier, and dirtier than their Spurs counterpart. That's so true. I just, who could be the cap? They need to sign a captain. Do you think they could sign, like, who could they sign? Is Hoiberg a captain? No. You know, you know my issue. Comment down below if you know how to solve the issue of having a team with no captain. They also kind of need to, do they need to get rid of Lloris? Maybe. Um, yes. Thank you very much for coming. Goodbye.